Do you have a property story you'd like to share? No matter where you've bought or how much you've spent, I'd love to hear from you. And all property stories are completely anonymous. Reach out to me by emailing hello at thefirsthomeguidebook.com.au. In today's podcast, I am sharing my own property story, specifically the first two properties that I purchased. These were ones which I bought by myself with the help of a parental guarantor for the first one, but not with my partner. And at the time, I was on a relatively modest income, but my overall strategy was to be a rent vester. This is my property story. Welcome to The First Home Guidebook, a podcast exclusively for first home buyers. I'm Amy Linardi, a buyer's agent who has helped over a thousand people buy a property in the last decade. I'm here to share my property expertise and insider tips to help give you the confidence to buy your first home. Plus, I'll also be bringing to you property stories from first home buyers about how they managed to get into the market, which will hopefully inspire you in your own home buying journey. Let's get into it. I grew up in Hyatt, which is in the southeastern suburbs of Melbourne, with my sister and my mum, who was a single mum, and I saw my dad every other weekend. And even though I don't really remember much discussions around money when I was young, I always knew we didn't have a heap of money. And I do remember that horse riding lessons were $20 back in the day. And there were some months where my mum just couldn't afford to do that monthly horse riding lesson. And then when I was in high school, we moved a fair bit further out down to Chelsea Heights because properties were a lot cheaper out there. And I do remember always feeling a bit isolated, like I was really far away from the action. I I went to school in the city and it was a really long commute and all of my friends lived a lot closer into the CBD. And I think that that's one of the reasons why these days I really value location and amenity and being close to things more than pretty much anything else when it comes to deciding where I want to live. But I always had a really strong work ethic. I worked from the age of 14 and sometimes multiple jobs, but I also liked to spend money as well. So I spent almost everything that I earned. I got into credit card debt when I was 18 years old. And throughout my early 20s, I felt like I was constantly trying to pay my credit card off. That being said, I really didn't care that much at the time because I didn't really have anything that I was specifically saving towards. I always thought that buying a property was for older people, people in their 30s or 40s and people who were having a family and just people that had a lot more money. So it wasn't really ever on my radar. Therefore, I didn't really have many specific savings goals except for, you know, a holiday here and there. But then towards my mid-20s, I was working full-time but also started 
a business. And for anyone who lives in Victoria, maybe you remember around, you know, 10 or so years ago, there were people who would knock on your door to install the free energy products. So the light bulbs and the power boards. I started a business doing that and it ended up being a lot more successful than I ever expected. So I started to save some money through doing that business. And my accountant at the time said to me, why don't you consider buying an investment property? And I just dismissed that at the very beginning. I thought she was crazy again. I only thought that buying properties were for rich people, especially buying an investment property. However, it planted a bit of a seed and I started to look into it and research it and listen to a couple of podcasts and I got a little bit inspired. And then once I had a bit more of a specific goal in mind, it then actually became a lot easier to start saving towards that more specific goal. And then through the running of that business that I had and working seven days a week, I was actually able to save up quite a sum of money in a relatively short period of time. It was something like around 18 months or so. I managed to save $70,000. And at that point in time, I decided to stop running that business. I really wasn't enjoying it and I was starting to get a little bit burnt out. And it was also that point in time when I started working in real estate and ended up taking quite a significant pay cut to get into a new industry. So even though I had this $70,000 in savings, I was on an income of around $45,000. But I still had this motivation to buy an investment property. And I knew it wasn't going to be a property I was going to live in because the locations where I really wanted to live, again, coming back to that drive to be really close to everything. I was living in Richmond and then I wanted to live in East Melbourne and Collingwood and I definitely couldn't afford to live in those locations. So rent vesting for me was the right strategy. I knew I wanted to purchase a property and I didn't have any sort of short to medium term plans to buy a house, especially on the income I was earning at that point in time. But by starting working in the property industry, it also meant I kind of had a bit of free education. I was working for a larger buyer's agency as a trainee and I got to tap into all of their knowledge. And that kind of made me want to buy a property even more, maybe buying it before I was truly ready because I probably could have waited a little bit longer for my income to go up and therefore my borrowing capacity but I was being a bit impatient at the time, especially because all of the people I was working with had investment properties themselves. And I kind of thought it would give me a little bit more credibility. Looking back on it at the time, it was probably not the best reason to buy a property. But that being said, I don't have any regrets. So my first property purchase I had a borrowing capacity of around the $440,000 mark at that point in time, bearing in mind that 10 years ago, interest rates were a lot lower and it was a little bit easier to borrow money. And when I first started looking, I decided to approach my dad to see if he would be 
willing to be a parental guarantor for me. I knew he had some equity in his property, but he was a bit hesitant at the very beginning. And my dad is the kind of person who really doesn't like talking about money. And he also doesn't like the idea of debt. So what I actually had to do is almost present a bit of a business case to him. I spoke with a mortgage broker who explained everything to me at the very beginning and how a guarantor loan actually worked, what kind of risks would be involved for myself, but also for my dad. And I also put together some numbers for him to demonstrate how much the mortgage repayments would be, the fact that I was a responsible saver by that point in time, I'd save the $70,000 and also some logic around why I wanted this. And that's because even though I could have purchased the property without the guarantor, because I had the cash and I had the deposit, I wanted to preserve as much cash as I could for my next property purchase, because I did want to eventually purchase another investment property, or at least have my options open to buy a home in the future. So once I presented my business case to my dad and he had a chat to the mortgage broker who explained everything to him, he felt comfortable with that whole process. So what that meant is that I could buy a property without having to contribute a deposit and only pay stamp duty, therefore keeping more money in my savings left over. Did you know that the first home guidebook is also an online course where I teach you everything you need to know about buying your first home? You can find out more at thefirsthomeguidebook.com.au where you can also download my free checklist, which is a hundred things to look out for at a property inspection. Just head to thefirsthomeguidebook.com.au. So with my budget of around $440,000, I was looking at 70s style apartment blocks in the inner northern and inner western suburbs of Melbourne. So these were relatively boutique blocks of around sort of six to 10 properties within walking distance to public transport and amenity. And they were relatively dated. So I thought they had good scope to improve in the future. And during my search process, there were a couple of properties that I considered pursuing and then a few that went a little bit over my budget. But then one day I came across a property that was a little bit outside the box. It was one which was brand new. So the opposite of what I was looking at, which were older style properties. It was technically off the plan. Because even though it had been fully built, the plan of subdivision hadn't been registered yet. So it meant that it couldn't settle until that last bit of paperwork happened. And it was also only one bedroom. However, that all sounds like the complete opposite of what I was looking for, but I liked it for a reason. And that is because it was in a great street and a great location in Newport, Victoria. And there were only three on the block. And it was more like a mini townhouse almost with one bedroom, but then also a study as well. But it was on its own little block of land. So even though, yes, it was brand new 
and it was only one bedroom. As opposed to buying an apartment, I was purchasing a little bit of land and in a much more boutique block. So that really appealed to me and ticked a lot of my boxes for what I was looking for. So even though it wasn't what I had set out to look for, it actually appealed for me from an investment point of view for many other reasons. That property was going to auction, but someone put an offer in prior for $420,000, which was still within my budget. However, I knew that the identical one next door was also coming up for sale. So I said to that real estate agent, that person can have that one for $420,000. I want to buy the one next door. And I did. And I ended up purchasing that one off market for $400,000. So save myself a little bit of money there. And the extra benefit of this particular property, which again, wasn't my intention at the start, but because it was brand new, I actually got quite a lot of depreciation benefits for that property. So once the rental income was factored in, which is about $380 a week, which on a 400 grand purchase price is a pretty good yield. Once I factored in all of the tax benefits, that property was actually pretty much cash flow neutral. So it wasn't costing me anything out of pocket to hold on to that property. And that was really helpful because at the time I was earning about 45 grand. But what it also meant is that around six months later, I approached my mortgage broker again. I had had a pay increase and I was earning then about $56,000. And he said to me, you're in a position where you can go and buy another property already. My borrowing capacity was still not amazing. It was around, again, the early $400,000 mark. But because that original property wasn't really costing me anything to hold, and I still had money left over for the purchase because it only cost me about 20 grand in stamp duty to buy the first property, I was ready to go again. And I decided that even though I was then in a new relationship at that point in time, I still wanted to buy this second property myself rather than relying on a partner or maybe waiting and seeing what happened with that. That was something which was of value to me at that point in time. And the next property I purchased was one of those older style two bedroom apartments. It was in Seddon and I bought it off market for $380,000. Really, really daggy interior, not well kept in any way, but there was already a tenant in there and they were happy to stay on. And for that particular property, I used a 5% deposit. And that meant that I had to pay quite a lot in lender's mortgage insurance. It was around $13,000-ish, which was added on top of the loan. But at that point in time, I was happy to do that because it allowed me to purchase that second property and I knew I was going to be holding it for the long term. So I paid around $19,000 as a deposit and then the stamp duty and other costs around 20 grand. So out of pocket, around $40,000 for my second property. So I had a little bit left over in my buffer account. But then after a couple of months of owning that property, I had an idea 
because I'd never lived in the first property I purchased, I was still technically eligible for the first home buyer stamp duty concession. Here in Victoria, you pay no stamp duty on a property less than $600,000. And because I hadn't lived in that first property, I was still eligible to get it. So even though I'd already settled that second property and paid the stamp duty, if I moved into it within a year of purchasing that property, I could get that stamp duty refunded to me. And the reason why I decided to do that, even though I didn't actually want to live in it at that point in time, it was in Seddon and I was with my partner and he worked in Northgate and for him it was quite inconvenient. However, I figured if I could save that 20 grand on stamp duty, I could actually put that towards a renovation. And that's what we ended up doing. I moved into it, got that amount refunded to me from the state revenue office And then I renovated that apartment for around $25,000. I know that that is not very much money. This was 10 years ago, but I did a lot of project managing myself and I did it on a shoestring budget, but I ended up then having a renovated two-bedroom apartment, which overall cost me the 380 grand purchase plus 25 grand renovation. And then when I moved out of it a year later, and lease it out, I got a rental amount of around $400 a week. So again, my second property ended up being relatively cash flow neutral as well, which at that point of time for me in my life was quite helpful because I wasn't earning a heap of money and I didn't have a lot of extra surplus cash flow that I wanted to put towards those two properties. So I suppose a couple of key takeaways from my property story is that having a goal in mind is really important. It is really hard to save up for something if you don't have not only a specific goal, but an achievable goal in place. Also speaking to some professionals to understand what's actually achievable because you might be closer than you actually expect considering the idea of using a parental guarantor, of course, not everyone is going to have that option. But as a first home buyer, it's always a good idea to at least understand what all of your different options are, especially if it may allow you to purchase a property sooner or to preserve some extra money in your offset account or your emergency savings account, which could make you feel a little bit more comfortable rather than spending all of your spare cash on that property purchase. And then lastly, it is to maybe consider rent vesting if your overarching goal is to get into the property market. But bearing in mind that rent vesting isn't just the solution, you aren't necessarily going to be able to purchase an investment property and then sell it a couple of years later and make heaps of money and then sell that to be able to buy your next home. It doesn't always work out that way. Maybe sometimes if you're lucky. I still have both of my investment properties and there were some years where they did grow a bit in value, but there were some years where they didn't grow very much. And of course, some years where they actually declined a little bit and that is the market. But with property investing, ideally you are considering the much longer term and how that may impact your next property purchase 
or your borrowing capacity or your future options. And lastly, to also consider and focus on yourself rather than just relying on getting into a relationship or meeting someone or having a dual income to be able to purchase a property or achieve your property goals. Ideally, you focus on yourself and prioritize yourself rather than relying on something happening in the future that you don't have as much control over. So that was my property story. Thank you for listening. Information provided in our podcast is general in nature and does not constitute financial advice. Every effort has been made to ensure the information is accurate. Listeners must not rely on this information to make investment or financial decisions.